I connected my sense of identity to my work and to achieving. I was looking for the external sense of validation mm-hmm. from other people instead of finding it within myself. Welcome to the In Your Head podcast with Jody and Judy, where we're all about helping you get out of your own way. Our focus is on your mindset and helping you remove the mental roadblocks you've created so that you can unleash your potential and get more out of life. Hi, this is Jody. And this is Judy. Thanks for joining us again on our second episode of In Your Head. Our last episode, we talked about the power of mindset and the fact that we are in the driver's seat when it comes to how we view challenges and how we have the ability to choose and adopt healthier perspectives for more success and happiness in life. Today, we're going to dive into the how with respect to making mindset choices. How do we change how we view challenges in ways that serve us and others best? The first step is looking at your thoughts. So we're going to talk a little bit today about our mindset and what we would refer to as inner critics. Inner critics are called many different things. Some people call them gremlins. Some people think about the little devil and the (laughs) angels sitting on their shoulders. Uh Um, They're saboteurs. They all kind of mean the same thing. They're the things that get in our way and create challenges for how we think. That's right. So let's talk first about like what do those inner critics say? What kind of things do they say? Yeah. I mean, first I would just say that anytime we're having a negative feeling, it's a result of a negative thought that we just had. Sometimes it's very hard to know what that thought is. So just anytime you're feeling challenged, it's a result of a inner critic, a gremlin, a saboteur, whatever you want to call it. So what do they say? Well, mine say sometimes you're not smart enough. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are doing a podcast? <laughs> you, you don't know what you're talking about. We've got the same inner critic there. Yeah, right? Um, yeah. And so it can be connected to anything I'm doing that I'm really feeling good about. I still have this inner critic that is challenging that, Yeah, challenging that good feeling. And it's part of being a human being. You know, if you think back, we all have these kind of thoughts. What sort of thoughts do you have? Well, you know, I think the the same as many women do, you know, too fat, don't deserve that, not smart enough, not good enough. Those are things that I think everybody at some point in their life hears. Some people really take them to heart and they really make choices and they respond to things based on those negative voices in their head. I think nowadays, especially with social media and everything, you know, kids are seeing things and they're getting these messages and they just instantly start saying, saying these things to themselves. It's just not a good way to talk to yourself because yeah. those things just aren't true. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I learned that I found interesting about these inner critics is that we're biologically wired to have them. Mm-hmm. Every sane person has inner critics. And when I say critics, I mean these negative thoughts that are in, you know, different categories of life, right? Different ways, different characteristics. Um, It's not just usually one type of thought. There are different types of thoughts that we have depending on what's going on for us. And the reason we have them is biologically, it's it's primitive. It's from a safety perspective. They once used to help us. We would judge ourselves so that we would not put ourselves in danger get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger way back at when, right? And now we don't need that level of safety as much anymore, and they really just serve to hold us back. Well, so imagine life if you could just learn to ignore those to the point where you don't even hear them anymore. 
Yeah. You know, that's really where we're kind of going is trying to get people to learn to recognize those and find ways to ignore them. And that starts with, I think, one of the greatest way to do that is to raise awareness around them as you're hearing those voices. And we've talked about this, like labeling them. Mm-hmm. So when you hear yourself, you know, telling yourself you're not good enough, just acknowledge that's my inner critic. Name it if you want to, whatever you have to do based on the type of thought you're having. Absolutely. I mean, it makes me think of this program called Positive Intelligence. You and I have both studied that program, and in some ways we use it in our coaching practices. And one of the things that's really great about this program is it helps us identify and label those inner critics. So it was a program developed by a man named Shirzad Shamin. And what he did was he researched a bunch of different areas of science, neuroscience, help me out, cognitive behavioral therapy, performance science. Yeah. I think there, there is one more there. Yeah, I that, think there is two. And so he, what he did was he, he took all the, the key takeaways from those different areas of science about mindset and put them into one program. Mm-hmm. One of the things that science tells us is, is about these inner critics is they have different characteristics. And every one of us has them. So I think what would be interesting, Judy, is to talk about, we're calling them inner critics. Shirzad Shamin refers to them as saboteurs, and there's names for them. And I would bet that if every person will hear one or two of these and say, oh, my gosh, that's me, because I think we both did that. So it's not whether you have them. It's how many you have and how often <laughs> they bother you. Um, right. So there are 10 different inner critics or saboteurs that we've discussed. And that first one is kind of a universal for every single person. I know everyone will relate to this. They just call it the judge. Mm-hmm. And there's three different modes in which it works. It judges. We judge ourselves. We judge others, and we judge circumstances. We were talking about trying to provide an example people can relate to, and I think most people can relate to having lost a job. Yes. Getting fired, getting laid off, however you want to do it. So I'm going to tell you what a judge would think, your judge thoughts would think. So if I lost my job and my judge acted up, I'd be saying, like, how did this happen? I must have done something wrong. My boss is such a jerk. This is so awful. What am I going to do now? Absolutely. I could imagine all of those thoughts. Yeah. It's a negative thought about ourselves. It's a negative thought about the boss. You know, there's a negative thought about this being a terrible situation. How can you see it any other way, right? Yeah. But there's a problem with that kind of thinking. There is a problem with that. I mean, we're so busy blaming ourselves, others, or the situation that we're unable to move forward and move on in a way that brings insight and innovation and creativity to the experience. Yeah. Um, and so we get stuck. We yeah. can get stuck in that negativity with this kind of thinking. Yeah. So I would say judging, to me, because it's universal, that's one that when you catch yourself judging something, try to pull it back. Try to recognize this is a judging moment and try not to judge. Mm-hmm. Another one that's very interesting is the avoider. And mm-hmm. I think I know lots of avoiders in my life. (laughs) So an avoider who gets fired or loses their job might think, I'm not even going to think about this right now. It's just too difficult and painful. Yep. And what does this lead to? Procrastination, Mm -hmm. right? Not facing this situation timely or ever, perhaps, right? right? And in the back of, you know, when I'm avoiding, in the back of my mind, I'm still carrying around that anxiety of the situation because now it's a black cloud, 
And I realize I'm avoiding that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm not really giving my, you know, it, there's a moment of where I'm like, okay, I don't have to think about that, Whew, you know, but, it, but in the back of my mind, it's still there. And so we're not really ridding ourselves of any anxiety when we're avoiding. So that's the, the problem and the impact that can come up from that kind of thought. Yeah. And another very common saboteur, and I will own this one, is the controller. If you lose your job, I mean, how out of control do you feel, right? Yeah. So you're feeling like, I've got to control this. I'm feeling out of control. I've got to control the situation somehow so it doesn't happen in the future. Your mind's just going crazy with how you can better control what happened or what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. And the thing is, not everything, obviously, in life can be controlled. Not everything in life can be controlled. And that continuous controlling thinking can lead to blocked creativity and collaboration, can block innovation. It really can prevent you from finding productive paths forward, Mm -hmm. I think. It can. Then there are several hyper (laughs) types of (laughs) of, uh, inner voices. The first one is the hyperachiever, which I know you are kind of— a very well-known hyperachiever, mm-hmm. that person might say, how did this happen? I've helped this company so much. I've performed on so many levels. I'm going to double down on my efforts with my job search. I'm going to have to work even harder next time. I, I'm not going to lose another job. So, Jody, this, this actually happened to me. I did not lose my job as a result. I got great success <laughs> as a result in my former life using this hyperachiever thinking. But what the cost was, was burnout. I was so stressed and so burned out, it actually started affecting my health. And I actually had to leave that job over, you know, I was there for 14 years, and I had to leave that job because no one was doing it to me. I was choosing to work very long hours and to achieving everything I could in that position. And, you know, People love the work I did. I did a great job, but they had a too big of a cost. And the reason I was doing it, a lot of times this, there are all these reasons why we're, we're adopting these thought patterns. You know, the, the reason is, you know, I connected my sense of identity to my work and to achieving. I was looking for the external sense of validation mm-hmm. from other people instead of finding it within myself. Didn't know that, obviously, at the time. Right. Learned it <laughs> when we, we got into coaching, but I just know that one can, for me, was, was, it was pretty eye-opening when I learned more about myself. Yeah, and that. you would definitely respond differently now. Mm-hmm. The next hyper is the hyper-rational. Yeah. I think we all know these people who yes. are very, very, you know, logical, fact-driven so as a hyper-rational, when I lose my job, I might go, okay, let's look at all the facts that led up to this situation. I can't focus on emotions and get upset. That's not going to help. Feelings just distract. There's no place in working through challenges ever with emotions. I got to figure out exactly mm-hmm. what happened here. Yep. I've worked with people like that in the past. The problem is we can't get rid of our emotions, right? Our emotions mm-hmm. are there. It's part of the human experience. And the other problem with this, I think, is that I think a lot of decisions are best made using our logic and our emotions Mm -hmm. because, you know, if we're not in tune with our emotions and the emotions of others around us, we're missing those cues that can actually lead us to better solutions and better paths forward. So we're better making decisions using, you know, our whole selves and not just blocking off a part of ourselves. What do you think about that? No, I 100% agree. You can't block your emotions. And I think with one thing I would say about every one of these you know, these inner critics or these saboteurs, there is a very positive side of them. Mm -hmm. They came to you 
for a purpose and they have helped you and there are, are great strengths that go along with each of them, when they become a saboteur is when that negativity starts and yeah. they start impacting you in a negative way. Yeah. The way I think about it is overuse. So they mm-hmm. are, these, all these characteristics, they're strengths we possess, right? These are strengths, but when we overuse them is when they become saboteurs. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting point. Right. And you really can't shut them down until you understand them and know how they're well, impacting you. And the fact is we can't shut them down ever. We can quiet them. Mm-hmm. We can learn to live with them, but they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few more. We'll just go through these real quick. There is the hypervigilant, and I think we've probably all known the person that is always prepared for the worst, and they're always planning, and they they assume things are going to go bad. Mm-hmm. So this person might have said, you know, I should have seen this coming and planned ahead of time. I've got to stay on top of the potential problems better. I can't mm-hmm. afford for things like this to happen. Yeah, it's that sense of being hyper alert to what dangers lurk around the corner. And what I think about, what I feel when I think about that is like exhaustion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, it would be so draining to live one's life always being worried about what next bad thing is going to happen and how do I plan for that, right? Yeah. It can be draining also for the people around those people. If you imagine like a family where one person is very hypervigilant, mm-hmm. how that could be exhausting and problematic for others. The thing is bad things are going to happen anyhow. Yeah. We're not going to prevent a bunch of bad stuff. I mean, using common sense, we can prevent some things, right? Yeah. But being hypervigilant doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen either. Right. Again, it kind of comes to the control. You can't control everything, yeah, no matter right. how vigilant you are. Another one that I think is really common is that pleaser. Mm-hmm. The person that really, really wants to always have people feeling good, never wants to disappoint. So a person that's a pleaser, they lose their job. They might really feel bad that they disappointed somebody. You know, they were really trying to make sure the person was happy with their performance. And that might lead them to think, okay, I'm just going to have to work harder, bend over backwards in the future, whatever I have to sacrifice in my own life to make sure that I'm making them happy. Right, right. And this is another exhausting one, I feel like. You know, as we all know, you can't please everyone. You're just not going to please everyone. And I think this critical thought keeps us so busy taking care of others, doing things for others, benefit that we can lose sight of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a tendency here to get resentful if others aren't appreciative, right, yeah. of our sacrifices, right? Yeah. If we feel unappreciated, then that can kind of go hand in hand with pleasing. We, we want to get that validation that we're actually helping others. Yeah, we do. One that I can really relate to is the one that we call the restless. And it's that uh, that part of you that just always has to be doing multiple things. And you actually do other things sometimes to avoid dealing with something or feeling. It's not avoiding, but it is, it's just a, it keeps you motivated, I guess, just to keep doing something. So if you lose your job, you know, the thought would be, this is just way too painful. I'm going to go focus on something else. And rather than going and focusing on finding a new job, you're going to probably deal with that later and focus on finding something more entertaining or more fun or just something that will keep your mind off of the fact you lost your job. Yeah, it's like distracting. It's mm-hmm. like, what enjoyable thing can I do to distract myself from this horrible event? Yeah. <laughs> and then that can lead to another, you know? So it's almost like you start all these projects, 
but yet finish none of them because you're always pinging to the next enjoyable thing when things get tough, right? Yeah. And so before long, you have all of these unfinished, incomplete things in your life, and you haven't dealt necessarily with the challenge at hand that started them all. So I could write a book on that one. Yeah, I know. Then there is also the stickler, and this is kind of the perfectionist. Many, many people are perfectionists. So stickler loses their job. You know what? I did this job perfectly. I put so much pride into everything I did. I must have made mistakes. This is why it's important to make sure everything you do is perfect every time. Otherwise, why do it? Yeah. (laughs) So this one actually shows up for me as like my second most frequent saboteur, perfectionist, the stickler. And I overuse this so much with hyperachieving, as you can imagine. Sometimes those two things, you could see how those could fit together. And boy, it created a lot of late nights for me, <laughs> trying to make everything perfect. Mm-hmm. And look, it, I, I succeeded on one level, but to, at a very high cost. And I would absolutely do things differently next time. And it's something I deal with every day, trying mm-hmm. to um, look at what's good enough in this situation. Understanding that there is no perfection. Yeah. And why stress myself out trying to make something perfect when it's not required? I've got energy left over to do other things that way. Yeah. So Sometimes the good enough is, is good enough. That's right. The problem yeah. here is we get stuck in that. It, it causes a certain level of stress and anxiety for us trying to make everything perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Then the very last one, and I'm sure there's more, but these are the ones that Shirzad identified, is the victim. So that's just the person that is like, why does this always happen to me? Mm-hmm. Gosh, wouldn't you know? I'd be the one to get laid off. These things always happen to me. I swear people are out to get me. It's just that constant thought of, you know, putting yourself, it's victimizing yourself. Yeah, why me? Yeah, why, why me? me? I mean, look, there is a benefit to going into this sort of victim mentality after something bad happens for a short period of time. It can mm-hmm. help us recover. It can help us take care of ourselves. But the problem is when we dwell in this space and if it's our default pattern, we're wasting our energy on that brooding. And we're doing it because, you know, it's helpful to get help from other people, right? By Mm -hmm. talking about our experiences and people helping us out. But over time, people stop helping us out. Mm -hmm. And it also can become a self-fulfilling prophecy too, Mm -hmm. right? That sort of why me and complaining to people, getting help, but then not getting the help then leads to feeling like more of a victim. Mm -hmm. You definitely drive people away because people who are victimized all the time are pretty exhausting to be around And it gets difficult. So, well, I don't know if that was helpful, but I always like talking through those because sometimes it helps you catch that inner voice, that inner critic, if you have something to relate it to. Absolutely. And you can name it, name it something. So I will actually, when I start feeling that restlessness coming on and I know it's not really doing me any favors, I will actually say, okay, that restlessness is coming, (laughs) that is showing up. And I take a few minutes to try to, you know, not think about what I'm doing, take a deep breath, think about something else, and then I try to get back on board with what I had started instead of letting it pull me away completely. Yeah, that's so. right. I think that's great. One of the reasons we went through all of this, too, is to like help people understand what saboteurs they might be experiencing more often in life. But a great way to do this is through an assessment that is offered through Positive Intelligence. It's a free assessment online. And so it's called the Accomplice Saboteur Assessment. And it's a very short. I think it takes about 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's absolutely free. And it will email you a report that will show you the frequency with which, which saboteurs are showing up for you and in what order, what frequency. So it's just helpful, again, for that awareness mm-hmm. of ourselves and that learning 
so that we can, when we're having the negative thought in real time, we can identify it and yeah. work with it. Yeah. And you can find that at positiveintelligence.com. Yes. And we'll put the uh, full link. There's a, there's a, I think it starts with assessments.positiveintelligence. So we'll share the full link in the show notes. Yeah. Right. Okay, Judy. Well, I think we're about ready to wrap up today's podcast. What I would want to leave people with is just paying more attention to those inner critics and not believing them. Because the one thing I know about those inner critics is they've found a way to make you think they're helping you. Mm -hmm. And they're almost never helping you. Mm -hmm. They're either making you look at yourself as you're incompetent. They're making you fearful. They're the things that really cause all of those negative feelings and thoughts that we have about ourselves. Yep. And next time we'll share more about the options for how to choose a new perspective that supports you and keeps you moving positively through life's challenges. Until next time. Thanks for listening to In Your Head. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you think may benefit. Give us a like or a positive review and subscribe to follow us. We hope you continue to tune in and join us as a loyal mindset warrior. Catch you on the next episode.